0: And register for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon at EveryWoman'sMarathon.com.
1: You know, being clean too is like I have a lot of people that say like, "Oh, I listen to like my grandparents or my." Uh, I always say I'm a comics' parents comic. <laughs> uh, like they're and they that's who they that's who always people send me. They're, they're like they tell their dad, mom. You can go see Nate; and he won't because their son's just r- talking about. Just the most horrific things on (laughs) earth. You know, it's like, but it's very nice to be like, I have people messaging me and one guy messaged me. He's like, I listened to you with my 13-year-old daughter and you're the only thing we have Mm. in common.
2: Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. Uh, each episode, a guest comes on to play a clip of one of their jokes, and then discusses how they wrote it and how it fits into what they're trying to do with their comedy. With Nate Bargatze releasing a new special today on Netflix entitled The Greatest Average American, we, we thought we'd rerun my episode with him from September 2019. It is one of my all-time favorite interviews about one of my all-time favorite jokes, And as I mentioned in the interview, I find Nate beguiling. I mean, I I don't use the word beguiling, but I mean the word beguiling, which is, I don't know how he does it. I mean, like, he's this guy, and he's so funny, and it's a mystery to me. And to many comedians, I'll talk to comedians, they're like, yeah, something about that guy is just really, really funny. And I ask him, I was like, what is it? And he answers, so you'll find out. But first, you'll get to hear just one of the great jokes. Uh, which is from his 2019 special, The Tennessee Kid. So, here is Nate Bargatze.
1: And on that trip, uh, I was going to Seattle. And if you've ever been to Seattle, uh, Mount Rainier is near Seattle. That's what they call it, that. And I don't don't know if that's true, just so y'all. It felt like y'all took that like, yeah. Uh, so I, we we're going out to Mount Rainier, and I was with a buddy of mine, and uh, Mount Rainier is the, it's the third biggest mountain in America. It's, the, it's a good one to go to. I don't know who number one or number two is, but maybe one day it will be number one, you know? Do mountains keep growing? I don't think we know that yet. So it's a good time to see it. It doesn't have the attitude of one or two. So me and my buddy, we rented a car, he's driving. On the way out there, I see a dead horse just laid out in this guy's yard. And I've never seen that before. And I was like, man, I bet you don't think about that. When you buy a horse, it dying. You know, what do you do? That's a huge thing, dying in your yard. You can't just scoot it off into the woods with your foot and try to get another one that matches before the kids come home. You have to tell your wife to keep the kids away for a month. You got to Google how to move a dead horse. You got to probably try to get another horse to help you do it, and that's not easy. That's what the blinders were invented for, because it's like, just look ahead. Don't worry about what's going on back. Like, no, look. Are you got to get your friends to help you do it, and you can't spill the beans too quick on that. You think it's hard for them to help you move a couch? Try a dead horse. You got to lie to them. Like, we're getting a divorce. Just come over. Bring your truck and some gloves. And when they get there, let me tell you, they're going to see it, all right? Everybody saw it. It was next to the road. And they're going to pull into that driveway and just be like, I don't think they're getting a divorce at all. I think we're here to move that dead horse, is what I think. Let's let him bring it up, all right? Make him ask but I'll be shocked if we don't touch that dead horse today. (laughs) And if you ever have to move a dead horse, I've thought a lot about all this. You wanna be the first one to the horse, all right? You don't want someone else to tell you where to grab a dead horse. So you run out there, like you love it. Like you're like, this is what I hoped it was. And get to the hoofs in the front and be like, all right, I'm here, you guys decide where you guys wanna be. So now we are basically at Mount Rainier. That was the whole car ride. And if you ever go, just so you know, uh, you have to pay to go up it, it's not a free mountain. Someone bought it and they're charging tickets. It's also all uphill, it's a nightmare. So be ready for those things. We drive up, we park, and we're walking up the trail. So we're going up it yeah. I mean, I can barely breathe. And this couple's coming down, so I stopped them. I was like, hey, is this enough where we're at? You know, is this like, you get it. Like, we're not trying to live on this mountain. And the lady goes, I'm 75 years old, and I did it. And I was like, all right, maybe that's why you didn't hear the question that I asked. (laughs) Everybody's pretty cocky on the way down, I mean. (laughs) There was women with babies. They had three-month-old babies strapped to their chest. I was like, why would you bring that much extra weight with you? I left my wallet in the car. (laughs) They looked exhausted. I'm surprised there're not just babies left up there and rangers have to come down. Whose baby's this? That's ours. We're gonna let it grow up and come down on its own. (laughs) So we get our picture and we come back down and we're driving back. And on the way back, since my buddy was driving, he did not see the dead horse, you know? And I'm like, we can't not see it. So it's just one road. And I was like, I'll just show you where it's at. So we get, we're driving and we get to it. I was like, it's right here. And I pointed and the horse was standing up doing unbelievable. (laughs) One of the healthier horses that I've ever seen. So I learned that horses lay down to sleep. I did not know that. I don't know what I thought before that day, I don't know. That they locked their knees. That's why they have four knees. I don't know, that's what I, I would've probably argued with you about it. People put signs up that say like horses lay down, don't call 911, because people call the police. They drive by a horse laying down in some guy's yard and they're like, y'all guys should go like deal with that. And they're like, some people knock on people's door. Hey, is your dad home? Your horse died outside. And I thought you should hear it from a stranger first.
2: Uh, we are here with comedian behind the joke you just heard, Nate Bargatze. Right, Bargatze? Yeah, that was right. That was exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I never correct to- anybody either. I just let it happen. That's why I feel like I've listened to enough podcasts where you've been asked, and yeah. people assume it's Bargazzi and you're like, Yeah,
1: I think we say it wrong. Yeah, uh, as my family. Because uh, our our southern accent like says Bargatzi, and I'm sure it's probably Bargazzi. Yeah, and so I don't know. You know, it's fun. I just did a 23 and Me. We thought we were like Italian. That's what we always were, not even sort of Italian. <laughs> uh, I mean, like zero. Yeah. It was all like just European, like whatever the you know general European standard white person is. Like we were, we thought we had a, a good mix going, and uh, we don't. Uh, according to 23 me, it just kind of blew up the whole thing. Not that we were, you know, like, like hanging on to these Italian roots. Like, there wasn't, like, some...
0: Tomato but, sauce uh, or whatever.
1: Yeah. So, <clears throat> but, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, so it is barghetti now because now we
2: lost the Italians. So it can't be <laughs> no, it's gone. Yeah. yeah. So uh, before we talk about this joke, I want to back up a little bit to your Netflix half hour comes out in early July 2017. And sort of the half hours are an interesting thing because there, you know, you had an, you've had you an done hours. You probably were touring with an hour when that was sort of coming out. When it finally came out, when you were thinking about what you would do next, do you sort of have goals or plans or sort of a, a vision of what you'd want your next stand-up offering to be like? After the half hour? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, the half hour, I didn't want it to be that because yep. uh, I just did an hour for Comedy Central. But they, I knew Netflix was just like this huge platform. The half hour was the first time, like... Uh, it was like people, were, the, the crowds were getting a little bit bigger, mm. and then you knew that they knew that material. Like, before you, when you're performing, you know no one's really, or there could be like eight people that know you. Mm-hmm. You could just do somewhat the same jokes, and you're just always got a new audience. Yeah, And uh, so that, after the half hour of the stand-ups, it was like an audience was kind of starting to come, and you're starting to sell some tickets, and people are knowing. So then you're like, oh, i got to get this new act. And, uh, So then you just started, I just started building that new hour. And I was just luckily on the road the entire time.
2: And uh, that's where you can build so much. Yeah, because you can build longer times because you have more time.
1: Yeah, just so much more. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I started doing spots and stuff like that where you do 10, 15 minutes. And that stuff's great. It makes you learn how to be funny quick and like really punch things up. Uh, but then you do need to really get on the road to talk for an hour and you know it's it, I mean, it's I mean it sounds dumb but it's like it's tight it you can be tired when you talk for an hour and especially when you're doing shows and you could have like six shows a weekend it's like six hours straight of just talking and the show is like on your shoulders yeah. like there's no uh, you can never take a break like there's no moment you get like by yourself on stage when you're by yourself <laughs> You, you know, you can't just turn around and just be like, oh, like, uh, these people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something. <laughs> uh, this crowd's the worst or whatever. Yeah, You're just, what... they're always staring at you. And so...
2: It's it, like, what's next? You're yeah, like, I just, what about the I joke? Just, I just told I just you a joke. keep laughing about that. Give me a second. Before we get into the joke, just, I guess, for context, what is your, your history with horses just generally? Uh, there's, I mean, I have zero history. I have a, my
1: daughter is in love with horses now. Just like any, you know, six, seven-year-old kid would be. It's not like it's a, like it's a new thing. Like, yeah. my daughter's in this weird thing with horses. <laughs> yeah. It's very normal. They just like riding horses, so they love horses. Uh, she wants a horse. She thinks, like, we could just keep it in our normal backyard. But I, I have no, like, yeah. you know, there's nothing that's... It's been a dream of mine to write a horse joke. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's why I think, well, I guess
2: the lack of experience with horses probably sets up this joke more than a long history of horses.
1: This, by the way, this joke I came up with the first weekend after my half-hour air. Oh, really? So it it doesn't always work like that, but uh, I was pretty lucky to come up with this joke. You know, because I tell stories, so it's a lot of times stuff needs to happen to you and you need to be in situations. And uh, this came up, I mean, the is I was at Tacoma Comedy Club and uh, it was, it happened this weekend. So there's the first, you know, weekend of the stand ups coming out. Yeah. I got lucky and got a five minute <laughs> story. story, which is unreal. So
2: I guess, which it gets into my sort of the question I had was, um, when Howard started interviewed Jerry Seinfeld, this sort of came up again recently because Howard was promoting his book. Um, Howard was saying for a long time he would live a life, and there's a radio show playing in his head. Like he's like he would go to the grocery store, and it's like radio, and it's like Howard goes to the grocery store, and he had to learn how to turn that off when he was with his family or whatever. And Jerry Seinfeld was like, "I never turn it off. I don't care where I am. I'm always like watching myself have a life. You know, like he is living the observed life, yeah. and that's how he." Um, is what he does. What is sort of your version of it? Like, how, when you're living a life, are you living looking for material? Are you are you living in a way you're like, hope, like let me put myself in silly situations so material comes?
1: Uh, yeah, you do that a lot. With, Bill Burr told me that once too. Like, he was, you know, it's like, you know, he learned how to fly a helicopter. Uh, you're just like doing stuff that's just to make yourself – do something that you don't normally do and have these life experiences. You do have it. It's nonstop. It always just goes in your head, just what's what's going on. Like, you're constantly thinking of stuff, interactions with people. Uh, you know, if I'm standing in a line somewhere, you could have that interaction. And you're just – it's always – it is. Your brain is always on. Yeah, I I golf. I love golfing. And golfing, I think I've uh, figured out why I'm obsessed with it because that's such a sport that you have to focus on so much. So, like, I have zero chance of turning my brain off. I don't know how to do it. I have trouble going to sleep at night. It just – it won't stop. So – but when I golf, since I got to focus so much on that, it's like that's my break Mm -hmm. is to – just think about golf like and so it's like just because you're like all right i know you're going to be nuts in my head so like i'm going to at least make you stare at this thing yeah. <laughs> and then that's the only break you get because i don't sit and write uh, i've never wrote word for word or anything like uh i just kind of write the general idea down and then i'll just kind of run the joke in my head or you yeah. know stuff like that or jot a little thing here and
2: there down so you're driving. You're you're doing a show in Tacoma, and then you're like, I guess we have a free day. Let's go to this mountain. Yeah. So you see a horse. Yeah. You see this dead horse, or wh- presumably a dead horse. Yeah. What What happens? What are, like who are you driving with? What immediately you're like, you know, in in the joke itself, it plays as if this entire dialogue of a dead horse happens immediately, and then you arrive to the mountain. What What yeah. happens in the moment? Well, in the moment, it's it's pretty
1: exact. Uh, we're driving we go to Mount Rainier I was with my buddy Brian Bates who opens for me a lot and so we're driving out from Tacoma he's never been out there so it was like all right let's go out to Mount Rainier so you know it's like an hour it's hour and a half drive or something like that and uh so we're driving out and we I see the horse laying down and that's when I start like you know we start talking about like that horse die like how do you move a dead horse like all those kind of thoughts of just us, you know, like, I'm just kind of rambling on about mm-hmm. this horse dying. And you kind of realize, like, oh, like, you know, all right, this could be something. And you're just kind of trying to be funny in the moment. So
2: first you're trying to be funny in the moment, and then yeah. you're like, oh, this is funny.
1: Yeah, then you're like,
2: oh, this is something. You, yeah. you know, and you
1: usually end up going like, that could be something, right? Like, that's what you always say to <laughs> yeah. other comedians. You're like, that could be something, right? Uh so we're just talking about the horse and, you know, and just saying, like, what would you do if a horse died? Just a unique situation. Uh, yeah, nothing's—I'm thinking—I'm just—I'm thinking—I think that horse—the horse is dead. Yeah. That's what I think. It's laying on the ground. I mean, it's a dead horse. <laughs> sure.
2: So then you get to the mountain. Then we get to Mount Rainier. And are you still talking about the dead horse? Are you now like, well, oh, this is going to be the second part of the like? No, I don't think
1: it's going to be the second part of the joke. I just, uh, we get to Mount Rainier and then we start, you know, we go to a place. We don't really know where to go on Mount Rainier. You're trying to go hike up some trail. Uh, so I don't know what to do. We stop at like a, one of the buildings right when you first get in to maybe like you you can see a map or you can see where you're supposed to go it's a big park i mean so it's we go there stop there and then we start driving up to the top and we're just finding a to find a trail to go up and then we end up parking and you park like really far uh we had to park really far from the hike because it was i just remember thinking like it was a hike just to get to the hike (laughs) like you were like, oh, God, like, I don't even want to, you, you know, you have to park so far away that you're like, what's the point of even See, is this a, not enough just walking by these cars? And so we just get up to the part where the, actually the trail, you know, starts and then we start going up that trail.
2: And then you are feeling that feeling of like, do, did we see all there is to see you this night?
1: So I'm going up that trail and then uh, I did ask an older couple and I said, hey, is this like enough? Because it was like you it, you, it just going uphill, then it would go over a hill where you couldn't see the trail, then go back uphill. And so there is a point you're like, all right, like, I mean, what, how far do we really need to go up this mountain? And so I asked a couple, and then the lady said, she was like, I'm 70 years old, and I did it. <laughs> and uh, she just said that to me, and I was like, you know, I just kind of, in the moment, you just kind of laugh, and you're like, yeah. oh, no, we're, I'm being late. It's like, uh, you just say something polite to her, just like, yeah, you're in better shape than I am. Like Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, you're like, later, I'm going to make fun of you. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, at the moment, I don't, th- you know, yeah. it's like, it's all this, it all kind of comes together yeah. at the, when you're when you're on stage, yeah. for me, at least. But yeah, like, so I say that, and then uh, I, we walk a little bit more, and then we turn, you know, then it's like, all right. Did
2: you can't. get to the top of the mountain?
1: No, no, we had a show that night, so like, we just had the day for him. We can't, you know, <laughs> we're not trying to, we can't live on this mountain, so we're, you know, I'm not... Uh, some big hiker. <laughs> sure. I did enough. I got, you know, I no, got no, what no. I needed out of it. <laughs> Maybe if I would have kept going, this joke would have been 10 minutes, so yeah, who yeah. knows?
2: Yeah, you know, you could have got 10 And Then you're like, well, we'll be late for the show, but it's going to yeah, be I know, worth it. but it'd be a 10-minute chunk. I mean, you don't,
1: you don't get a 10-minute joke
2: every day, so. <laughs> exactly. Driving back, what's the sort of vibe knowing that you're going to see this dead horse again? Uh, I mean, it wasn't like a built—it was almost like it
1: was kind of forgot about. Oh, really? And then when we were getting—my buddy did not see it because we drove by it, you know, going 50 miles an hour when we saw it. So I just kind of randomly quickly saw it. So as we're getting close, I was like, oh, I was like, let's see. I was like, the horse is dead up here. Like, let's see, you know, I don't know, maybe they're grabbing it or something. Uh, we get to it, and uh, and I told him. I was like, oh, it's right here. And, I did, and it's all of that. I pointed, and uh, the horse was standing up. And my buddy's the one that said, and it's doing, um, that horse looks like it's doing unbelievable. So, I am in mean, the joke, I say, I say it. Yeah. But, like, my buddy said that. Like, he was just like, oh, I guess he, I guess they lay down, Like <laughs> you know. What's funny is he always says, because, you know, I've gotten asked, just people in shows will ask about that, yeah. or they ask a lot if these stories are true. And, uh, like, he would tell me that he's talked to people, and he thought, He was like, once the horse was standing up, he was like, well, the joke's over now. You can't do the joke about... Because like all my oh, jokes,
2: because, oh, because the, jokes, the joke wasn't the horse wasn't dead.
1: No, it wasn't dead. So it's like it, it felt like because we were talking about it being a joke. Yeah. And but the in the joke the horse is dead. Usually like I can you know I can change stuff like I like in the joke I say I say it's unbelievable versus him. Yeah. So I don't mind changing like little things here and there to make something not as confusing. Yeah. But I most of my jokes are pretty true. So, if the horse wasn't dead, I'd have to come up with it the way I came up with it, or I wouldn't be able to say it, because yeah. I won't be able to sell it.
2: You can't be like, I saw this dead horse, and I then can't, you'd, you'd know that it was alive. Yeah. But then the joke has to be, you're an unreliable narrator. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes. So, I remember he did, he thought, well, once it was like that, uh, he's like, well, the joke's over. Like, you're, you know, he you thought it was gonna be this joke, and it can't now, because the horse is alive. And then we just kind of, we went and ate uh, after that and then drove back and then did the show. And then I just, that night, uh, just talked about it. And, j- you know, it's like with telling the truth of what you're doing, you get to go through the whole, you just kind of tell the whole day. And so I just, and I always kind of open. I opened with it, especially because yeah. that was kind of about them. It's Mount Rainier. I'm, I'm talking about those people know what Mount Rainier is and they've yeah. been out there. So it's, you can open it with just talking about like what we did for that day. And I did kind of figure it out. Luckily, it happened the way it did, because then I was able to explain it exactly like that, yeah. and then go back and be like, "Cause it is you." Like, I learned horses can lay down. I didn't <laughs> know that, and I've learned that, like, you know, talk about like being in the in your head about stuff. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you got to think, because you could be like, "Well, that's stupid. I should know horses lay down." <clears throat> but if I have that thought, I'm a very average guy. <laughs> So I'd assume that everybody else probably doesn't know that. And so then you just get – so when you say that, you're either hoping – either they're going to laugh at you because you're so dumb, which I'm fine with. Yeah. still laugh. still counts. (laughs) Uh, Or they're going to laugh because they're like, oh, yeah, I would have thought that horses can't lay down either. And so you just say it exactly like it was, and then luckily – Everybody you know, some people know that horses can lay down, but I mean a b- lot of people do not.
2: Yeah. I mean They
1: they would have thought yeah, like they sleep standing up or whatever. They I did. think I thought that. So with the dead horse joke you're you tell it in that way where you're like, please just please work. You know, I'm talking about this Mount Rainier. I don't know if everybody knows about Mount Rainier. So then that's why I have to talk about it's the third biggest mountain. You, you, you talk about something to, like, explain. I, mean, I know people know what Mount Rainier is, but I didn't know what Mount Rainier is. And growing up in Tennessee, it's like I didn't think about Mount Rainier. Uh, so you're trying to explain it so everybody kind of gets it. Because that's not really the point of the joke. Yeah, the Mount Rainier. It's just kind of the but setting. We don't want
2: them lost at the beginning. Yes. You don't want them still thinking about the mountain. And yes. you're like... Okay, so there's this mountain, what is it? Yeah. And then you're like, but, but, I've been talking about this horse, yes, now. and but
1: you also I've got to lead them far enough away from that horse. So when I come back to the horse, it's like, oh, remember that horse. <laughs> and then you do have to like that's like when I got to Mount Rainier, I didn't know when I first started when I started telling the jokes, a, when it works, you're like, all right, like this is like a joke. So I'm trying it that whole weekend, and then I, the next week, you just kind of keep trying in yeah. every city you go to. And so you learn that like I'm trying to take them on a journey. To, I want them to think this horse is dead, and then we move on, and I talk about Mountaineer. They don't think I'm going to come back to the horse.
2: Well, you do it twice, because you also forget that you're talking about going to the mountain. Yes. Because you spend so long talking about this yeah, horse. Yeah, it's a long, it's a real long. <laughs> because literally, you like, we right, were driving to this mountain, you talk about the mountain, it's like, cool, there's a joke about going to a mountain, but then you're like, this horse, and you're like, oh, this is just sort of a weird setup to yeah. talk about you seeing a horse, <laughs> and then you're like, and we arrived at the mountain.
1: yeah. Comedy is all, like, surprise. Yeah. So that's what makes people laugh. And uh, with this joke specifically, it's like you're trying to – you got to, like – I told it once, like, you know, L- here in L.A. And uh, I could feel – like, sometimes you can feel the crowd, like, they feel sad for the horse.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: they're like – you know, especially like, where everybody loves animals. And they're just sure. like, they don't like it. So I was telling it, and you're not getting a ton of laughs at the beginning of the horse. And I always try to have a lot of laughs no matter what I'm doing. My theory is I never want to be too big from a laugh because the farther you get away from a laugh, the bigger the laugh has to be. Yeah. So I never want to put too much pressure <laughs> on not one laugh. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of try to keep laughs going throughout and, then, and just have it build up. So I was like telling it, and it's not going great. And then I did the mountaineer part, and it's like fine. And I go back to the horse, and you can feel they're just like, please leave this horse alone. It's this horse they don't even know. But yeah. they're, they're just like, please leave it alone. And then when I say the horse is alive, the relief I felt from them. Like, they're so happy. Yeah. And that was, like, it was a very satisfying, like, thing to be like, yeah. Like, you know, there is part of you going, like, this is just a joke,
2: guys. Like, <laughs> we could like take it easy a little bit. Before you go on stage, do you just write down notes or whatever? Uh, but Like, I, did you write it down, like, just things that happened that day?
1: I talk about it a lot. I'll write um uh, some of it down. I might write the bullet points of the day like to be like, you. we saw the dead horse, we went to Mount Rainier, talked to that old lady, horse was back do you have, Do you think up.
2: you have it on your phone now? Here
1: we go. It says, uh, so this was at July 25th, 2017, at 941, so I would, I would have, have rode it after the first show. Uh, so I would have tried it first. And I put dead horse on the way to mountain, no way for a horse to lie down. They can't lie down like a dog. They just have to go all in. Because there was a part where I was like, how does a horse get down? Yeah. Like, I think they just have to tip over. And I would do that for a little bit. And then it was like, it just wasn't enough that I, important to keep it. Then walking up, 70-year-old lady, how far? And I I know her age because she pointed it out. She did tell me. Uh, I did, that night I met a guy that is from my in-law's hometown, which that did happen. Uh, I forget. I don't know if he, like, recognized me or something. The women with babies walking up, why why would you nine months old, just leave the baby up there? So that was where that part came from. And then I had hills here. You really have to think like two blocks up somebody the hills work and get some pizza, mm-hmm. do lunges and then a dead sprint and you'll <laughs> sure. be there. Uh, homeless people are just resting between blocks. The mountain year one day if it works hard enough, it has a chance to be the number one mountain in America. I don't know how mountains work, but it felt like one that was still giving its its all. Sure. So that and that's all I wrote down. And so, and like, once I write it down into that, I don't even know if I ever really look at it again. It's kind of just like that. It's it's almost like I'm putting it in my phone and it's also putting it in my head. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm, I'm doing so many shows. And so you just kind of keep uh, doing it. And then you have the beats. And, and then <clears throat> I'll say a lot of that stuff at the beginning. And then stuff slowly starts falling out. Like you're just like, this doesn't really matter. That doesn't matter. You're just trying to get to the as as tight as you could could get it.
2: Are you so? Do you tape record? Like, are you just trying to? Do you just remember what works and what doesn't? Just
1: remember, I say it on stage. So like, uh, once you say it on stage, it just kind of sticks in your. You know, for me, it just kind of sticks in your head. I mean, I you can. I'm learning. I'm having a lot of trouble now going back to do old jokes. Like, if I had to do that dead horse joke now. I could do it. I mean, maybe. I, I it'd be tough. Yeah. I can. Sometimes you can get to. I, if I can get it started, I can just then you just can get your brain into like I can get into the mode of. Uh, I'm just checking off, and I can get it finished. And maybe I'll forget it the first some of it the first time, and then I, I'll, I could get back into the groove of it.
2: So, do you ultimately sort of like? You have each step, and then you see, like, what jokes are around this step? So like, you're like, here's the mountain stage. Let me just riff around mountains. This is the stage where we get to the dead. And then, so is it really, is, is that how you're ultimately, you're just sort of expanding out? Like, let's see how much I can talk about. It. Let's see if I can do 10 minutes on just the dead horse part. Yeah. And then just, and then in and, and out. And
1: then go. Yeah. So when I, when I do that on stage, I just have to have, know where I'm going. I can't do it if I don't like. I can never find an ending on stage. Yeah, but I have to know. So that's a that's a g- great joke that I can expand on because I know the horse. I think is dead. To the horse is now alive. So I know the beginning and the end. So I can go off on anything. Mm-hmm. Because then if I feel the audience like kind of die down, then I can switch it and get back out of it. I really only present a joke if I at least know how to get out of that joke. Yeah. And so sometimes you come up with the ending first, and then you're like, oh, then I just got to get into it and somehow explain it. And uh, I like to open with new ideas a lot. I don't know why. Like That's not what usually you do. You put them in the middle in a safe place. Yeah. I feel safe up top. Because, especially now with people coming out that, that will know me, they're very excited when you walk out. So then uh, I can, you know, you I think you can just do it at the beginning and, like, brush it off yeah. to, like, no one really cares because it's Th- the beginning. They didn't notice the show started, yeah, kind the, of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you're just, like, kind of can say it, and then uh, they won't care. because Yeah, because they're just like, oh, just sort of talking at times. Yeah, they don't like, know oh, that oh, you're trying yeah, to be funny yet. yeah. And then I will, once I get it, once I get the beginning and the end of it and I know how to get out of it, I'll put it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then wherever I put it, you know, sometimes you put it like, sometimes you need excitement. Like when you're building a new act, you, uh, you know, you have the old jokes and then you have the new stuff and just, you, get, you get very tired of telling the old stuff and uh, you have to learn how to like tell it where people are still excited to do it. Yeah. So you got to move it around. And so sometimes even that makes yourself be excited in a set, you're throwing new stuff, sometimes maybe towards the end, just because I then will have excitement because I can't wait to get to that yeah. joke. For so, yourself. You need for my, Yes, yeah. for
2: myself. I want to go through specific parts, and if, if anything comes to mind in terms of writing it or what do you like about it, you can also pass if you have nothing interesting to yeah. say. Um, well, we'll just sort of go through the, the whole thing. So Mount Rainier is near Seattle. That's why they call it.
1: Mount Rainier, yeah, yeah. I so was, I was, that's like stupid and silly, yeah. but I think that's like a fun. Like there's stuff that's like that's just funny, like yeah. it's silly. Like you know, it just near and near, you're like, well, why would you not say that? But I can sometimes say stuff that I think it's too dumb. Yeah, like I think people are like, well, all right, like they could feel bad for you. They're like, this guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, you you every special and every hour you not basically you say I'm dumb. I know I'm yeah. dumb. What. Uh, why do, you, why do you do that? What do you like about being uh,
1: dumb? I mean, I am dumb. I, you know, I feel like I get in arguments and people try to th- say I'm not. Look, I know I'm smart and maybe clever in ways, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not a, like, a, I'm smart. I'm, like, smart in my world. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not, like, I don't know. I can't really argue with people. I don't know a lot about, like, politics or this other stuff. So, I, you know, I just say I'm dumb a lot. And uh, I've said stuff, I've done jokes where it can be too dumb, where I think people are like, all right, that's right, you're not that. Like, are, they're not believing it or they yeah. feel bad for you.
2: It's like writing a, a character, like sometimes sitcom characters like, he can't be that dumb. That character would fall off the mountain. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 And sometimes you're like, well, maybe he is that dumb. <laughs> uh, it could be funny if he's that dumb.
2: There's a part you, you got to probably try to get another horse to help you do it, and that's not easy.
1: Yeah, that's fun. That's probably my favorite part of the joke is the what, how you do it, breaking it down. Yeah. The idea of having to explain to another horse, "Hey, could you help us drag this?" Like, it's just such an awkward. I mean, there's no conversation because it's a horse, but it's funny to think of it being like a... It's an unbelievably awkward conversation to have, like, your buddy died, like, and I really need you to get it together and help me get this horse out.
2: I was thinking about the part where you go, and that's not easy. What I I always find interesting is how you understate things where other comedians might, like, overstate or be like, make a big deal of that. And then preparing for this, I heard you talk about how it's directly related to finding ways not to curse. You sometimes have to find... Like a really say yeah. yeah can you talk about that that your approach to writing when you know you can't curse and how it helps or sort of makes you a more specific writer
1: you just end up saying words differently. like I, I we I get they were making fun of me the other day was like saying, I say real good a lot like this was real good and uh, that's where you might I don't think you don't know we're gonna curse where you say real good but like just as a reference of a word like no one says real good and so saying real good is like, it changes the rhythm of the the joke. Yeah. And it's like almost like if you see, you know, I don't know, it's like uh, if your face, if you gain weight in your face, it can change the look of your face. Or like my daughter, like just lost her, you know, she's six, so she's losing teeth. She lost her two front teeth. Mm-hmm. And someone told us a parent was like, "It's crazy when they lose their two front teeth because their baby face kind of changes to like they're they're going to be a kid now, and you see it. So it's like it's like you don't want them to lose those two front teeth because that's like the last thing of their little cute mm-hmm. baby, and then they do. And like so that's just a very little thing, but your whole face changes. Yeah. And so in a way, with doing uh, not cursing is I'm having to do a different word that maybe that word's longer than a quick curse word yeah and so then the rhythm of that it changes the whole rhythm of that sentence yeah and then it changes it's it's it, it affects the entire way you would tell the joke and stuff
2: yeah and your rhythm is different than everyone else's that's yeah. especially for doing sets at clubs or whatever where everyone is cur- yours oh it,
1: yeah everybody's dirty i mean like <clears throat> it's just yeah if, and i tend to like uh I tend to lean to like, if I, if I say something and I feel like everybody else is saying it, I don't want to say it. Mm-hmm. And I want to go a different way, whether whatever it ends up being, it makes me uh, like go like, I want to write a joke that's just not doing that. And I'm not saying all my jokes are like that, but it's even if I do a topic that is a topic everybody's done, yeah, uh, I want to do it a different way.
2: Another part, uh, or you got to get your friends to help you, and you can't spill the beans too quick on that. You think it's hard for them to help you move a couch, try a dead horse. Yeah. I love the sort of, you can't spill the beans too, is a similar sort of like, it's uh, not how people know like there's like, it's the, it's not even, f- it's formal, but it's like formal in like how a little kid might be. Yeah, like yeah. it's like old timey. That's the li- dumb part that jokes in. <laughs> like yeah. it's a, uh,
1: you know, sometimes I don't know, what words you're supposed to say so it's like whatever comes out first is just the one i'll end up going with and then if it works i never i just keep saying it that way and uh it it gets in and i i I just love the like this whole part was my favorite this was this part is the part that can be made up which is the funnest part because it's you know it is like if you had to get your friends to help you move a dead horse you can't just out the gate, like, we're moving a dead horse. You get them to come over and, yeah. like, lie to them and be like, what are you guys doing later? Like, you know, I always picture, like, the guy, I picture the horse. Yeah. I picture the guy talking to the horse. I picture the guy trying to tell his friends. And it's you're trying to paint that picture so they, so the audience then pictures being like, yeah, can you imagine being that guy? Like,
2: it's <laughs> such a funny thing to. Yeah, there's something about the next part where you have the guy show up And be like, I don't think they're getting a divorce at all.
1: Oh yeah, I picture, I always picture three guys in that car. I picture three people pulling in, and then a guy's like, I I think we're here to move that dead horse. Like, just the, like you know, that's like a part that where they know. I mean, you know what's probably about to be said. Sometimes uh, some big laughs you can get is when you know they know what is about to happen. Mm but they want to hear you say it. Yeah. And that was the thing I learned with Brian Regan watching him. And I always thought it's a way that you get two laughs off one joke because they laugh cuz they know what you're about to say, but they still want you to say it. Mm-hmm. And then they you get another laugh off that.
2: It's similar that in, the you don't want someone else to tell you where to grab a dead horse. That is the, you say dead horse seven times in like the first two minutes of the joke. <laughs> Do you, Is that, that's not intentional as much as sort of, you, you're getting a laugh every time you say it because no one said dead horse. No one says dead horse. That no
1: much. one says dead horse that much. Well, it's a, it's a constant uh, reminder of just the subject that we're on and, uh, and the, the, the weight of the situation. Like it's a dead horse. Yeah. And, so it's, you know, and if I like, you know, saying dead horse over and over again is, I mean, that's another just like kind of back to where we're, yeah, just exactly kind of back where we're at. I don't yeah. think I'm intentionally doing it for some specific reason, but you just keep saying it because it's a way to like almost restart the mm-hmm. thing and then kind of get back out and yeah. restart and then get back out and restart.
2: As you, we talked about a little bit, there's two animal death stories on this. And uh, <laughs> are you um, a death? thinking about person? Do you think about death a lot? Uh,
1: I, I mean, I do think a little bit death a lot. I'm sure it's probably like everybody else. Uh, but, you know, it's like, what's funny is like with being dirty, and I don't have like sex jokes, so I don't yeah. talk about that either. So then your only edginess is like death. Yeah. Uh, so it's all just shoots off down into that direction. I mean, I've had a ton of murder jokes. I don't, I think that's just, Yeah, it is, it's like, you know, the, I don't have the outlet of the cursing or sex, and once you take those two things out, that's every, that's like what a lot of people talk about.
2: Especially to like have the joke have more tension. Like yes. those are the things. So it's like, what else is there? Yeah, It's like, yeah. Oh.
1: It's like well, then everybody's got to die in these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very extreme thing too for, uh, you know, comedy I think is built on a lot of extremes. Yeah. And so it's the most extreme.
2: So you saw a woman that had carrying the babies and then, but you, I imagine you did not, you brought your, did you bring your wallet with you? I left it in the car. What I wanted to ask about, that section is do you feel like for that section to work you have to in the previous joke set up that you're in bad shape i was like i feel like if you look at you it, it's like you might be a person who can climb a mountain
1: yeah 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 well it's funny is i have lost weight so now like i you do have to change it where like i'll say like i uh, i need to lose weight or something i almost to say i need to get in shape now cuz i've lost weight yeah and then so sometimes when you say it you can feel the crowd be like i don't know you look fine like Uh, I mean you know but it's like so I've really kind of now been like trying to be like I need to get in shape because that is a very different thing so I'm not in shape but uh, yeah I can walk up a mountain but like you know it's not like I don't walk up mountains regularly I don't hike I don't work out so it's I'm not going to have a stamina that someone that is this is their thing I'm not going to towns asking where the best hiking trails are (laughs)
2: point me to your nearest mountain Yeah, where's your mountain I would like to
1: climb your mountain of your town
2: (laughs) When you did the joke at Fallon, the joke ended with you seeing the horse was alive. Was mm. that just because you had a sh- strict amount of time? Yeah, comp- you have
1: just that five minutes. So you, so you got to other- find the best, like, uh, I, yeah, I, I couldn't, you don't want to, like, because uh, when the joke's in the middle of my hour, I can do a couple things at the end that I like Yeah, because I have still 40 minutes to do uh, but when you got to get out on it and I've got to be done with it, I need it to be at the peak of the, you know, where it's going to be just the climax of yeah. it to be like he's alive and everybody's happy and claps and then I can say goodnight.
2: Yeah, because I guess in the middle of a set, it'd be weird to have an ending of a story and then you're like, okay, now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to kind of trail off. Yeah. So that's the part that makes you be like conversational. You kind of got to keep it moving and then, you know, so it's not just this abrupt ending and then it's restart.
2: We'll be right back with more Nate Bargatze.
0: Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why Milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community-building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com.
2: And we're back with Nate Bargatze. I was thinking about how this joke as it relates to your, so your dad was a clown your dad was a magician. And do you ever think about how, like, in this story, essentially, you brought a horse back to life. Like, there's a bit of a trick, too. Do you ever think about how, like, oh, jokes are like a bit like magic tricks you sort of grew up seeing the pacing of, I guess?
1: I don't think I think of anything like too, like, there's just some scientific. I mean, yeah. I do like study comedy and I do like, I, I really love it. I love the idea. I try to listen to a lot of comedy. You try to figure out why. Why is this part funny? Why is this? I mean, I listen to comics sometimes and, you know, I mean, I can hear guys on, sometimes on serious radio, like, where, and you'd be like, you are hear a funny joke and then, I don't know, it's like, well, why is that joke? That joke should be bigger than it is. Like, what makes, but sometimes you can tell, like, a joke is not as personal. And I think a point of view and personal personality mm-hmm. is like a very big part of what attracts people to comics. Versus someone else can do a joke that's just very like anybody could tell that joke, and you you want to be telling a joke that like no one else can tell. Like you can tell it, and then if someone else tried, they can't. But I don't ever think of the thought of it. I, I know I I got I think I got my timing from my dad. Like uh, I do think timing is a. Uh, You know, it's a rhythm. It's a, it's like, I don't know, it's a move. It's like, uh, it's like uh, coordination, almost like it's, you're coordinated and you get your coordination from somewhere. So like timing
2: is that kind of thing. I was thinking it's, and this might be a stretch and this may be overanalyzing, but uh, there's something about your comedy where it acknowledges magic exists in the world. There's like a lot of comedy about like the, there's extraordinary things that happen, but also, uh. You treat them like normal, which is a bit like you, you growing up with a magician. You're like, there's this ma- magic is real, but also like it's my just a regular guy that yeah. i Does that ring true to you? This sort of like balance between like magical things, I guess, and realist- realism? And being real.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, you grow up like, you know, I say it in the special where I was like, I just thought everybody's dead it was a clown. And it is a, cause it's a thought that you're like, you know, now, like, me doing this, like, in comedy, like, my, you know, I, my daughter introduces me on Netflix. But she, when she sees my Netflix special or on this night show, it's not a crazy thing. To, like, it's, it doesn't, like, stick out as much to her. And it's because, like, she, I mean, what does she know? Like, she, this is all she's known. Like, you're like, yeah, you're on, like, that TV. Like, that's, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's just what it is. So, yeah, your dad being, uh, my dad being a magician, and a, he still is a magician, but a, and uh, also starting as a clown. It was uh, it was very normal. We're you know we're very I come from a very normal family in the sense of just everyday life, but we do these things that are very not normal. Yeah, and uh, so it's you know it's a mix of those two worlds. And uh, I mean, I never talked about him being a magician at the very beginning. You would think that could be something you're like, oh well, just immediately go tell that, <laughs> but the you know i don't know if it's dumb or naive or like just like just not realizing Mm -hmm. that it's such a different thing yeah i never talked about it at the beginning i was just like yeah you know i was like why would i talk about that it's a magician (laughs) yeah it it was just i was around it you know
2: yeah just like that guy doesn't talk about how his dad was an accountant he might talk about yeah that's what i say
1: yeah your dad's construction worker you're not like well i do all construction worker jokes i do accountant jokes, lawyer jokes like yeah, you're like that's just what he does. Like yeah. you know, you almost kind of go away from that because it's just in, until I realize
2: that it's all sitting there. Yeah. So the end of the joke, it seems like at some point you looked up that people have signs that um, the horse might be sleeping. Mm-hmm. Is that how it, it was just sort of building out, on riffing on that? Uh,
1: yeah. Someone people started like tweeting me about it because I, you know, you do that joke so much, like on the road, so you get people to do it. And then someone might have sent me a picture of something that says, horses lay down, don't call 911. And uh, so then that part just came to it. And, you know, some of that is saying that just to be like, it's almost like me going like, yeah, I'm not the only one that thinks this. It's so much so Mm -hmm. that they have to put a sign out that this horses lay down. Yeah. So, like, that was just almost like being like, yeah, I know, I, I know I'm know, i dumb, but, like, by the way, a lot of people are dumb, so
2: it's yeah. not just me. Um, other than the the ending, the joke is fairly similar between Fallon and the special. Like, you know, some verbs might be slightly different, but for the most part, it's, like, word for word. How do you balance a desire to be conversational, which it seems is very important to you, with, like, a desire for your joke? and I, 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 I've heard that you're, you're hard on your material. You want it to be really good. How do you sort of balance your desire for it to be, like, perfect or up to the standards that you want to with a desire for it to seem casual?
1: I mean, you're always telling it to a new audience. Yeah. So it's always going to be casual to that. I mean, you can't—nobody, no comedian on earth can be doing a different hour every night. And being and being just the top of their game, it's impossible. There's no way. No, I mean, people can be funny mm-hmm. and they can do funny things, but like creating a, you know, I know a lot of friends that are very funny to do crowd work and stuff. But like, I tend to lean. It is so hard to create a new hour and that to be very good. Yeah, it's 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 nearly impossible. So I'm. It's very impressive when you see comics do it, and that's the thing that I like. But in order to do that, you have to get this conversation down to be this perfect. Maybe in the conversation I do have parts that are not the most funny mm-hmm. thing in the world, but I need it to not be the most funny in that part because I'm, I'm kind of putting you... Uh, so you learn to do all these yeah. things. And then changing those verbs, like changing those little ands and these, and that's a changing of the rhythm. So then to me, it's always I am saying it like that keeps it conversational because I'm saying little things here yeah. and there different. Maybe I say something that throws me off, then I got to get back into it. And so then that makes it feel like this, you know, like conversational kind of thing. I will tell the story sometimes to buddies on the phone and maybe briefly, uh, but kind of speed through it, you know, just so I can keep a conversation because I'm having to tell someone on the phone. Or if I'm trying to tell you, like, I'm like, hey, is this funny? And I'm trying to tell you this thing. So there's ways to like say it, but where, you know, and then the way you choose it is the way that, it remains conversational. It's the way that, you know, I, I think, you know, I've had, I know I've had people like in a weird way They tell me they listen or well, they can listen to my stand up. They listen to it a lot or they listen to it when they go to bed at night, which is always hilarious. <laughs> like it puts them to sleep. Uh, but it's cause it's, I, I think it's because it's the rhythm. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going too up. I'm not going too down. I kind of stay at this like same pace and just, you know, you're just talking to them. I'm not and like forcing i'm not no. ah here's the punchline it's just kind of like stay at your wherever your normal yeah. us having a conversation pace and it keeps it feeling like that
2: you mentioned you you will analyze comedy and try to figure out uh why things are funny i have mentioned on uh previous podcasts i I've, I've followed enough comedians i do this podcast that i get a sense of what's funny about a lot of comedians and there's really one or two that i i have more of a challenge with and one is you i I think you were very funny, we but I go. G-
1: you go, I don't get it at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I like I, yeah. it, it, it is a bit of a mystery. Do, so, do you have a sense of why you're funny? We've
1: had to talk about it a lot, like like we're like pitching like a TV show and stuff. So, yeah. where you're doing this kind of stuff, so all these writers, you know, it's like you're, when you go pitch a TV show, it's like you have to sell yourself, and uh, you're selling yourself and being like, here's why I think people would watch this show. It's a d- much different thing than stand-up. and so you have to explain like it is that why. And I was just doing a show, and a guy that was like sound guy lightning guy was running the whole thing and he told me like he said it to me he was like he's like I, he goes you know i listen to comics all the time and he's like i was trying to he's like i couldn't figure out like like why am i laughing at this like why is this why is this funny and i mean i think sometimes it's just hard to say when yes. you really want to if you really dive too deep yeah. it is like it's too much yeah um uh, so i i don't know if i know exactly i mean i think of it because it's sometimes when you're telling a joke i know when you're going to laugh To the second. Yeah. And I always think that's pretty interesting to be like, I can like be telling a joke and be like, and now laugh. And I I don't know what it is, but that's, it's that maybe that was where the turns at. Yeah. But you've done it enough. You've done enough now that like, I don't know if I can pinpoint it, but like you just like, uh, I don't know, it's like you're, you know, like you see like Bill Burr, it's like he can be, him being angry or something, like that you like that. And like, uh, I don't know, with me, it's like, I don't know if it's, I remind you, I think I remind people a lot of people in their lives, yeah. whether one of their buddies or their husband or something, like, it's not like I can go just do it. Yeah. It's just, you know, no, that's but I, that's the thing is you're not, you're not trying not to have a, uh, like a switch that I'm like, this is funny now. Yeah. You, you kind of want to just be funny the whole time. And yeah. then if you're funny the whole time. Uh, then you can do it. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if there's an answer. You know,
2: that's that's fine. I'd
1: I, love it if you find the answer out, because then I could write.
2: I'm working. I'm working on.
1: Yeah, I want you to go like figure it it out. i was like yeah. literally I was like working. I was it's like, what? your ears. He's... What if it's like something weird like <laughs> yeah. that? And you're like, that's what it is. I'm like, oh, okay.
2: I believe this is the the first hour you worked on while you were living in Nashville, opposed to New York or LA. Though it was written on the road. You're, yeah. You're living as Nashville, and is, and as you've noted before, so so much of what made your persona, unique, early. It was just you were from the South and no one else you were doing comedy yeah. with was. Um, how has that evolved now that you live in the South, now that you might work out more Southern South, now that you have more Southern, like you're not, you being Southern is not interesting to a Southern audience. Yeah. How has that shifted?
1: I don't do a ton of shows in Nashville. I'm on, the, now that I'm on the road, like you're on the road so much, I don't have to go do these like small shows. Mm-hmm. And so and if I do want to go run something, I will, I can go to Zaney's in Nashville, like, and pop onto their show. Uh, but I still go to New York a lot. Like, New York is where, I mean, that's where I was at for nine years. That's yeah. where I'm, I am look at myself as a New York comedian. So I would go to New York and, like, just pop around on all the clubs mm-hmm. there. Uh, I think that's what helped so much was to be a Southern, to sound like this, and be the southern thing and then come from the south come from the how they grew up to then go to New York and learn how to do comedy it's like i'm learning how to do it in this best situation you can learn how to do comedy but with the brain of someone that's not from here <laughs> yeah. and like so then i'm already out the gate going to i sound different i'm already slower than everybody i'm like uh you know, I, I mean, the the you know, when people first start comedy, it's like they they can talk too fast, and I never really talk too fast because I just can't. Yeah, I think I can. Like in my head, I'm thinking I'm like I'm flying, man, and then it's uh, it's you're still not. Yeah. You know, I just don't. I don't talk. I never try to talk about it too much. I'm I am proud to be from yeah. the south. I But I, I want everybody to be happy where they're from. I like when someone's like, oh, I'm from Spokane. I'm from New York. I'm from wherever in L. A. Like I like you being like I love being from there. Like yeah. I enjoy that. So if someone, I got buddies that represent, they're from Cleveland, and they're very happy to be from, and, but you like you relate to that guy because you're like, yeah, I'm happy to be from Nashville. That's awesome yeah. to be from Cleveland. Like You just are happy that people like their lives.
2: I've been to Nashville a few times. Uh, do you, you know the restaurant Husk? Husk? Husk, yeah. I don't know. It's fine. Huck or hu- Husk. Husk. Husk? Husk. Husk. I will explain the story for you, and yeah. uh, which was, though this chef has now left the there so there's a chef sean brock who's from virginia who moved north to sort of get like classical training or whatever and then he returned to the south and eventually opened three of these husks restaurants one in charleston one in greenville and one in nashville and the goal is sort of like to partly update partly restore and partly sort of solidify what southern cooking means and what it means to be a southern chef um this, you, you're seeing there's going to be a metaphor. To yeah. I think you're getting sense of it. Um, you're in a position, especially after this most recent Netflix special, to be a very prominent example of a Southern comedian to a lot of people, especially of a newer generation. Yeah. Does, does that mean anything to you? I mean, obviously you identify as a New York comedian, but like for a lot of people, they'll be like, they're not going to be like, oh, that New York comedian. Yeah. No, heard, yeah. heard. They, so, then they shouldn't. So yeah. what, is, what does it mean, knowing that like, I think you'll be seen of as like, what it means to be a Southern comedian, or uh, go in the direction of what Southern comedy can, might mean. There might be comedians who move to Nashville to be like, well, Nate lives there. Yeah. What does that mean? How does that? How do you feel about that?
1: Uh, I mean, it means a lot. Like it's, uh, you know, I know like the Nashville scene has definitely gotten bigger. I don't think it's necessarily because of me. Nashville's doing very good as a city yeah, on yeah. its own, <laughs> yeah. but. It means a lot. I mean, I know I've always had, like, you know, there's been Southern comics that start and, and then they, uh, you know, they, they, they know that I'm from there, that they know, like, oh, you're doing it so, like, I can do it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's nice to, you know, to show that they can do it and show that we're not just, uh, th- you know, bumbling, just rednecks or whatever they think. Mm-hmm. You, you know, at the beginning, you're just, you do fight this. Like, I don't want people just to be like, that's that redneck comedian. And, yeah. And uh, not that like any of them, like Jeff Foxwood. Jeff Foxwood doesn't get enough credit for like, yeah. that guy's an unbelievable storyteller. Unbelievable. I just watched him uh, a month or two ago. And the nicest guy in the world, and that guy's done every—like, you know, I used to always think that when people think, like, it's some trick or, like, oh, he just does the—they dumb it down to this just—he's the redneck story guy Mm -hmm. or whatever. And you're always like, then you go do that. Yeah. Go be a successful—if it's Mm -hmm. just this simple trick, then go do it. Yeah. Uh, It's way more to it than that. So, but I do know that that's a, the blue collar kind of genre is what it kind of goes into. And then, so it is nice. Like, you know, saying like not a New York comic, like I I don't, I want to be a Southern comic. I want to be a guy from Nashville, but it's like, I I learned kind of how to do it Mm -hmm. from those guys. And, uh, so it's, you know, to be like, oh yeah, like, yeah, everybody says like, yeah, he's the Nash, he's a Tennessee, Tennessee kid. Yeah, exactly. Nashville comedian, like. Uh, he's a guy from the South. And, I like, heard someone
2: describe you as the Southern John Mulaney. I was like, well, oh, like, yeah. I was like, you, you could be, you know, yeah, like, I, yeah, why I John's own, out the Chicago? Yeah. Me and John started together. <laughs>
1: yeah, <exactly>. uh, yeah. <laughs> We uh There, yeah, it's like, it's, it, you, I mean, you want to be your own thing. You, yeah. want it, you want it to eventually, like, stand out and, like. And then almost get above where you're from in a way, like so. Then you end up being the comic, but then you're like, "Yeah, I'm from Nashville," and uh, everybody. everybody realizes that, and you better tell these stories and be funny. And like, I never. That's I was always a little bit I didn't want to be too southern like you know so I would always be kind of sensitive to that stuff at the beginning but then now I can be like well I can do it a little bit more because I do feel safer Mm -hmm. that I don't think I'm getting just pitching. like you don't want someone to like come to the show and be like oh this is like you know blue collar like that's not my thing like I don't want to do it you want it to be like a family like I talk about being married and talk about whatever. I don't know. It it does mean a lot. It means a lot to show that there's a lot of funny, funny Southern comedians. There's a ton of them. And they're doing you know they can be as liberal as you could be in New York and they can be as you know southern as they could be in anywhere like yeah. the guys that start they can there's a wide range of everywhere they just have these accents and just have these different experiences yeah. the same way New York does same way California does yeah. it's 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 awesome and you're going to get like different perspectives so it is nice to like you know just at least be uh for whatever people that would know me or whatever be your uh, you kind of a flag, but yeah, we're everybody's funny down here. Yeah. People are funny in Chicago, Boston. Boston, who I think produces the funniest people on earth, pound for pound, uh, is it what I think? But you know, Boston, the LA, you know, whatever.
2: Later in the special, you say,
1: "I don't think things through." That's the message tonight, guys. There's <laughs> not, there's no message. But if there was, it's I don't think things through.
2: I know you're a fan of Seinfeld, and there's like that. It was the show about nothing, but yeah. in many ways, a show about nothing. Like it's about yeah. nothingness. Is the message that there's no message? What is your anti-message message? What do you want the audience to, to get?
1: I, I don't want to change anybody's mind on anything. I have no desire to be a, a voice of something. Mm-hmm. I don't ever like try to like post anything, these statements like, everything's about just being funny and telling the joke and I don't want you, like that global warming joke is like, I'm just, that's doing a global warming joke instead of doing it out of a fear base Mm -hmm. doing it out of like a different way and uh, some of that is like, it shows about nothing, like saying it over and over again to be like, hey like don't like write me and be mad at me about, like I don't, like you know it's like, you know, you can, I, I'm not saying don't do anything, but I, no one should be coming to me mm-hmm. and listening to be like, I'm going to be the one telling you. I am, I have zero education. So do not come here because of, the, like, I'm just good in this little, yeah. fun making fun of these little things or mm-hmm. whatever. But I do want to, like, you try to make that point of, like, don't be like, but Nate says this, so, like, the backs all this. Yeah. I mean, it's it, you. It's really trying to, like, you know, you're, you, you get nervous about, like, especially when you talk about something like that. If it's global warming, people get so mad at you, or they get mad that, like, you're not taking it as serious. Yeah. And so it's just trying to be like, hey, it's just, like, funny. Like, I'm just trying to be funny. And, I, you know, I try to do an outlet, like, at the end of it, where it's like I say something about the wor- earth's going to blow up. I, you yeah. know, it's like an outlet to be like, you know, make – it's like you won't, I always just want to be riding this middle of the line. I have no, like – desire to like uh, offend people like or push an yeah. envelope. like I just don't have it in me to like I don't you know, so I try to like either, but I might have these joke ideas and you just try to write a line to be in the middle and just be like, take it as you, whoever wants to take it, take it how you take it, and then just leave, you know, I don't don't I'm not here to change minds. <laughs> just mm-hmm. wanna be left. so it's like saying that over and over again is just kind of like being like, yeah, I'd always remember. I'm an idiot. This is just yeah. talk, you know. Burr says a lot of like, but what do I know? What I'm talking yeah, about? Like, yeah. I'm you know, Burr says that a lot because it is like because then he can say what he wants. That maybe some people do think like that. Maybe some people think, oh, you're you are stupid, but that's funny that you're that stupid. Mm-hmm. And so you take it however you want to take it. Yeah, and then uh, you know, and then there's other comics that are up there trying to like really change your mind. And if you want that, go see that. Exactly. Yeah. If you want this, go see this. I know nothing about like adult stuff that you're supposed to know about. Uh, global Warming, that's one that everybody yells at you about. And they're like, you better do something. I'm like, I'm so tired, let's do it. I have to like, I'm like, I, don't really, I barely made it out of high school. I don't really know how rain works. So why don't, why don't you let me figure that out and then I'll do Global Warming, you know? But I've seen it rain without clouds. Where's that water coming from? So I'm pretty swamped with this rain stuff right now, but once I get to the bottom of that,
2: I'm gonna do Global Warming and I've got some pretty good ideas. You know, but and but in general, what if you don't want them to leave, learning something or having a opinion, What do you want for them?
1: Just to have a uh, to laugh. I mean, I remember like watching Brian. Like we talk about Brian reading a lot. But like it's been like we're we were watching someone and you're laughing uncontrollably and like your stomach hurts because you're laughing that hard. That's still like a very uh, thing that we all yeah. need. We all need. Uh, you know, you want to be. I want to, like, when I'm doing the show and you can, like, I I can laugh sometimes on stage because I'll just hear someone, like, losing their mind laughing. And it's like, that's what it's about, man. It's about, like, that dude, like, getting everybody's lives, like, you know, I feel like us in this kind of field, you know, with you guys and everything, we're doing, like, a kind of a dream kind of field. We're not in any reality. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for us to, like, complain a lot or, like, do these things about all this stuff. Where most people... Have kids and they're working and like their life is just like yeah man I don't know my kids are going to pr- I'm just trying to build them a good life mm-hmm. my wife's yelling at me my husband's yelling at me like my whatever's yelling like my boss is they 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 don't have time to like they don't have the luxury to complain yeah. about stuff that they don't even you know
2: yeah they're they essentially paying you to. Complain about something like that, in a in they a they public can, way like, in a they funny can way. Go,
1: you know, being clean too is like I have a lot of people that I say like, oh, I listen to like my grandparents or my. Uh, I always say I'm a comics parents comic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're, and they're, that's who they that's who always people send me. They're, they're like they tell their dad mom you can go see Nate and he won't because their son's just r- talking about just the most horrific things on earth. You know, it's like, but it's very nice to be like, I have people messaging me and one guy messaged me. He's like, I listened to you with my 13 year old daughter and you're the only thing we have Mm. in common. Cause they're just, yeah. Cause they're, it's you're her dad. And at that moment she's like, there's nothing you like that I like. And so, but it means a lot to me to be like, Oh, they can listen to me as a family. They can come as their family, like being to do stuff as a family. Even as you, you know, as you get older, you want to do stuff with your parents. You still do, like, yeah. And there's, there's a limit that you can't always go see movies with them. You can't go do these things. So you, it's nice to be like, yeah, you can come see this show, and like, uh, you can do this. And you want to be, you know, it's just making people laugh and have a good time. Like, it's not life is. There's enough people. If you want an opinion on something. There's so much of that. So go get that. And yeah. I can just always, you know, but if you if you want to break and just sit and laugh and like and just mind your own business and maybe point and laugh at me because I'm stupid and, you know, then, you know, it's not bad to just be sitting here and waiting for that.
2: How are you better at comedy than you were in a year ago, two years ago? You know, like I'm it, or may, let me let me rephrase you, you. You've described this as you think it's your best stuff. You said you you know you like your albums, but um, I'm interested when comedians think things are the best. What is better about it? What do you like about it? And, and or even thinking about as you um, are touring again with a new hour, yeah. how do you hope for it to be better?
1: It gets very daunting. You don't think it's going to be right now. I mean, I have a new hour now, and I always close on like uh i just close on like some old jokes like so, at
2: encore or are you like yeah dance? i'll do it
1: i did i started doing encore this is the first done encore it's very weird uh but it's like part of the show like yeah. i get it but it is you go stand, you go walk off stage you count to eight and then turn around and walk back it's very but it's you know it's i don't know it's kind of fun to be doing it and yeah. i think people like kind of think you're going to do it uh that's interesting. So then I'll come out, and I usually do old jokes from, like, comedy, uh, my comedy Full-Time Magic. Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of people don't know those jokes. Yeah, and, so uh, for them,
2: it's, like, literally just new jokes. Yeah, they're like,
1: dude, this guy is unbelievable. Like, yeah. Not of course, even. He's got his other new stuff. You can tell, like, how it's changed. That Full-Time Magic special, I'm extremely proud of. And I'm very proud of that material. I wish that material would have got... Uh, a a better platform that f- that that special aired the same night of the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, uh, which I always joke I didn't even watch that special, <laughs> but the difference of that hour than like the Tennessee Kid is like that's everything's a little bit shorter. The joke I don't have jokes that are super mm. long. It's still some stories, but uh, it's it's a lot of stuff is more in a joke form than maybe the Tennessee Kid, which is a lot of stuff in a little more of a story form, and so you just learn how to like. You learn how to just talk more. Like when I did the full-time magic, I could I could do 50 minutes. I remember that night at the special, it's supposed to be an hour, and I was having trouble getting to an hour. And uh, and then now it's like I can do, you know, you don't need to do it more really more than an hour for a special. But like when I go on the road now, I can do 75 minutes. And like just learning how to talk up there for 75 minutes is a completely different thing. Learning how to... When you walk out on stage and they know you, and there's this big there's this big response and they're excited, I mean that's a completely different thing. You know you're used to going the night that Comedy Central special aired, I performed in front of uh, nobody. Like I'm yeah. I, I, like it was there was you know <laughs> 30 people in the crowd and two saw the special. Yeah, so it's which is a very fun time to it's very fun to perform in front of people that don't know you because you got to win them over, and that's a very exciting. That's the thing that Seinfeld says that. If he misses, if any, the only thing he misses is people not knowing him when he goes up, because that was, that's such a fun, I mean, that's like, when you know, like, I'll do a lot of corporate still. And so that's a good way to, corporates, I'll do like a lot of old stuff. And, but it's, it is very fun when you go to a corporate and they're like, yeah, these people don't know who I am. And uh, you can go do these old jokes. You're like the you're only person murder. who said, I love doing corporates. Well, you go do, well, you have to be clean. Cause yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter. I get, I'm doing, you're I can doing do my, it anyway. You can just do your act. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, they, the settings can not be fun sometimes. Yeah. But a lot of times it could be a thousand people in like a cool venue and like, I mean, I've had some not be fun, but like you know, I yeah, I don't mind them as mu- as some other people might. you know, you never think you're ever gonna do as good as your last thing. The stand ups I weirdly was I was very happy with, but I wasn't in love with, yeah, uh, i I was kind of like I was kind of scared of it. The Tennessee kid, i you know, I kind of knew like this if just I just need people to watch it, yeah, like if if I can just get people to watch it. And you just know because you're on the road, and you're like, this stuff's murder. <laughs> like, so it's like, if it just get people to yeah, watch this, to watch I should be good. And if you know, if they're into like, just me, you know, someone could not be on board with my how I talk. Uh, but then, yeah, the conversation. But you just change like now. Now I would say I have maybe a good twenty-five minute run. I, that's like pretty good. And then the rest is kind of just whatever, like you know, just stuff. It sounds like I'm doing just a podcast on stage, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's like you're telling some, just some old stories. And, yeah. Uh, so it's like I'll slowly build this new hour, and uh, hopefully, it's yeah, it's hopefully it's better. I mean, it's hard, man. It's hard to, it's hard to always be against because you know there's just yeah. so much pressure. I knew from the standups. When people are coming, I knew whatever I would put next, I, like, even though whatever, no matter what I felt of the stand ups, I mean, I knew it was, I do like a lot of jokes from there. Um, sometimes I'll be like, oh, that joke's better than I, th-. you know, you're like, eh, it is funny. Yeah. And then, so I know people have a lot of expectations. So I knew the Tennessee kid, I knew that hour. I was like, this has to be, like, they can't come from that and then come to this. And people are excited now and then be like, it's a letdown. So you know that there's a lot of pressure uh, as, you know, doing it. So whenever we do the next special, I know there will be... I'll try to keep it enough, far enough away from it so it can be its own thing. And then and then, hopefully it'll be, you know, you know. I mean, you just go on the road yeah. and then you feel it when it's ready.
2: Just sort of start wrapping up, the, we are in the offices of this show. Yeah, it's that, first time I've ever had an office. What does it um, mean to have a show that's built on the fact that you were good at stand up. This is not like you've been doing stand up for 16 17 years yeah. you're like you weren't like writing this script for this show for 17 years. You yeah. were doing stand up and then this came what does this mean to just be in this office?
1: Uh it means I mean it's everything. It's like it's crazy. It's uh I try to like this is the first pilot I've ever done and I see and I never got pilots I sold like four shows and never got Mm -hmm. greenlit to make a pilot and then once you get now that I'm in the other side of it I see why I never did because this is so much work they have to give you offices they're hiring people A 100 people are going to get this job like work here and like do this so it's such a big commitment that you're like yeah they can't just give people pilots one thing I did think that I did good and sometimes the only advice I would like to give comics starting is uh, I knew I needed to be really great at one thing. So sometimes like comedians can start and they'll be like, well I'm gonna write So on top of them doing stand up, they're also writing scripts and then they're also maybe they have a podcast or maybe they have uh, just these other mm-hmm. outlets and well you're not really getting great at one thing. So I realized that like you know I mean I look I did all I had a podcast I wrote you know uh, a long time ago I, had, I would write scripts. I'm not saying you yeah. don't do these things. But I did know, you know what? I need to funnel every all the focus, and just try to be. If I can be better than most at stand up, then this stuff will come. Uh, so it's like be really great. I mean, I think it's really for what anybody does. Be really great at something. If you're really great at something, then you're, you can do it. Then people yeah. just want you to do whatever. Yeah, like yeah. bring that greatness to this and do, you know. But if you're if you're doing everything then, you know, you're, you're like, you, you're mixed with everybody else. Everybody's doing everything. So just be great at something. And then, so that, that's why it means a lot, because it means it, it actually paid off. Like, it's just focused on this one thing, mm-hmm. and then now you get to create this world, and you get an office. Yeah. And, like, it's, you know, I don't even know what to do in this office. <laughs>
2: You have a whiteboard and you'll write something. I have a board.
1: Y'all, yeah, this, you're the first people in this office. Yeah? So uh, nice. This is it. I'm going to have y'all just stay. You're just being it the We're whole time. time. It eventually can just be y'all's office because I don't know if I would even be I'll in there, it. you know?
2: <laughs> so that sound means it's time for our final segment, which is called the Laughing Round. It's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a laughing Round. Okay. Is there a joke you wish uh, you could steal in so much as... No one would know. Like it's essentially that joke. Life's exactly the same, except for you have this person's joke, but they never had this joke. Yeah, it's just your life now has this joke. Just a joke that you saw that you're like, like
1: that. Oh. I'm like was like God. I wish I could yeah come up with that. One of my favorite jokes ever. Ben Bailey had a joke about filling out a job application, and then he would uh, you fill out the wrong name, mm-hmm. uh, you do the wrong line, like you miss it up. And he's like, so then you just got to go with it. And uh, they they, then you sit down the interview, and they're like, so your name is uh, Ben Bailey, and he's like, yes, it is. And he's like, and you live at twenty two thirty five Ben Bailey (laughs) Boulevard. (laughs) And I just it was so funny. And then like he just keeps going down like every line, and like that's a joke that I like. It's like, God, dude, it's like just feel like I love that stuff when it's something that everybody's done. Mm And then, uh, every, there's another comic, and I want to make sure I get his name. Eric Myers. He had another one that about filling out, working out a Taco Bell application, and he is it's uh, it's so funny, like just breaking down, like him filling it. Yeah, Eric Myers, and uh, him just breaking out like this Taco Bell, just filling out a Taco Bell application. So funny. Because it's like, do you do drugs? And he's like, of course. Like, I'm filling out a job at Taco Bell. like, that's insane. I don't even know the whole joke. Ju- it's just, it's, it's. you know, yeah. he breaks it down in such a very funny way. And so I love, you know, I like the idea when you do stuff and then break it down and then put yourself, and then you have to be in that situation.
2: Do you have a a, a best heckler, a person who said something, you are know, like, either was funny or you're like, oh, that's useful or good note i mean i've had
1: someone uh i had someone people just say uh i don't think you're funny which is a very funny like they don't they just you know because it's not like you know you stink it's a like i mean, they're going i do not think you're funny it's a sentence that's like it's a thought like you know it's like you stink is like all right calm down yeah i don't think you're funny is like <laughs> i mean you have to be like what like that's such, that means way more than you stink. Yeah. You stink as a guy in a drunk just trying to be funny. Yeah. You saying I don't think you're funny is, like, so mean. And uh, I remember doing that show, and she said that. And then after the show, she came up and said, uh, she was like, I, you know, I shouldn't have said that. My husband said I should apologize, so, you know. But, I mean, I just I just don't think you're funny at all. She said it again, like she couldn't just leave. So she said it to me in front of everybody and then also to make sure I knew, said it to me privately, <laughs> so I just always knew that I, she does not think I'm funny.
2: Do you have a joke you regret in any form?
1: Uh, you know, I don't think I really regret any joke, but there's a joke. Uh, there's a joke on the Laugh Factory thing, and I talk about it's like a it's a it's a mean joke of. You know, I was talking about like it's a joke about like a, you know, prostitutes like get killed and like there was like in New York I remember there was reading stuff about that, and uh, like if you're a cop, like having to go tell, uh, you know, you have to go tell the parents like that. Hey, your your kid's dead and your kid was a prostitute. Like it wasn't going that good anyway. And it's like the idea of just bringing it down, and uh, I never really did that anywhere. I f- did it once at the Laugh Factory in LA, and they filmed stuff, so they yeah. put it up. Jokes got a lot of hits and stuff, and uh, but I had someone email me a, a girl that is in that field, and uh, and then I, but I, you know, she, uh, e- e- I messaged me or something. I messaged her back, and I was like. Yeah, that's like I don't even no know. Like sometimes you make a joke about a situation, yeah. and it's just a you think it's a funny, like unique situation, but then when it was like when she's like, no, that's like a real thing, and I message her, and I was like, you know, I, the jokes at the laugh factor, like I don't know, yeah. I really get it down, like. I'm not saying I even, like, and just regret it, but, like, I don't want anybody's, like, feelings to get hurt. And I, I don't want them to get hurt. I don't care if you're, like, I, I joke about Walmart, and I have people message me, like, Walmart's ruined my life. And you're, like, I don't care about that. That person's a crazy person. Like, <laughs> sure. like, we could argue that, I don't know, Walmart could be in the right. Uh, but, like, when that when that lady made it very personal, and then it was, like, you know, and I'm already, like, I don't even do the joke on anything. It's never been on a special. Yeah. And I just don't have that in me to like make people mad or sad or I, I that's the going back to like why I, I don't want to offend you, but I want you to just have fun. Like yeah. you can get offended plenty without me. Yeah. So that's the only one I kind of I regret. Yeah. I regret that that you know that I hurt that girl's feelings.
2: Uh, last one is there a joke that um, never worked that you've oh you tried and tried again that you're like this is funny you'll go to grade thinking it's funny but you can't do it on stage anymore because the audience. Has Just never like
1: get it. I can tell you actually how it doesn't work, and how it I can it did yeah. work. I can do that more. Uh, the iced coffee with the milk. Buying that, saying I've never ordered milk publicly in the history of my life. So I always wanted to do a joke about like milk being like. Uh, I think as a guy, milk is really not in your life unless a woman is in your life because you you have your mom and you you always have milk milk's a big deal. And then when you go live on your own, I never bought milk, milk, I never went and thought I needed milk, I never bought it in my life. And then I got married, and milk was really right back into my <laughs> life. So it's the idea of just like, you know, mm-hmm. milk is brought to you by like, women are just like, you got to have milk, man. And you're like, oh, okay, like, I didn't know I should have <laughs> cool. it. And then uh, so like, in general, that kind of idea, it's funnier now, like it's it's funny to like, I could probably do it now and it works just because I think you are just a better comic. Yeah. But at the time, like, I could never really figure out, like, how to be like, why is, like, to really explain that in that way. And uh, so you just always have that in the back of my mind. And then when that iced coffee the milk happened, you always had these little things, and I had that, and so I was able to grab it. And then put it into like, I've never, a very much quicker way mm. to say that joke is I've never ordered milk publicly in the history of my life. So that's a way that like that joke never could do mm-hmm. good on its own. And then I have this story happen. And so I grabbed that from three you, years ago yeah, and I can say it there. And then now I get to say that joke <laughs> you, in a different way. You finally
2: way. can stick it to I Finally milk. can
1: stick it in. And that's what you do with some jokes that don't work. You just kind of hold on to them and like I know that idea is funny it just maybe cannot be on its own Yeah. and then you find something that you can put it in with great
2: Yeah. I, I'll do the credits and stuff you
1: trash me yeah
2: just, at, at go, the beginning I like here's an interview with go, a guy I hate we hey spent, guys this uh, next
1: guy to show you how stupid people can really be I,
2: yeah I spent hours here's talking here's an hour long interview
1: of <laughs> just so this dumb.
2: moron <laughs> that would be very mean thank you so much that's it for another episode of Good One. You can stream The Great Average American and The Tennessee Kid on Netflix. Follow Nate on social media at Nate Bargazzi. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, Hannah Rosen, and Camila Salazar. Godmashigashin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to GoodOnePodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse Fox. And... If you haven't, please check out my new Patreon podcast, The Specials. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next Thursday with Margaret Cho. Have a good one.
0: Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it.